Speaking of the end time, uh, as we think about the coming of the Messiah and how the Messiah has come, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. We are in the midst of a series of sermons on the seven miracles, seven signs in, in uh, John's gospel. Uh, we are now at number six, the story of the healing of the blind man, the man blind from birth. Uh, this is a great story. You find it in chapter nine of the gospel. So let's, uh, let's read. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked, he replied. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him, I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. And now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? And so they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes, he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. 
But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner, he replied. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? (laughs) Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is God's word. Amen. It's a story of a man who was visiting one day in a classroom for visually impaired children. And he was troubled by what he saw. And he, he whispered to uh, another adult nearby, whispered rather insensitively. He said, you know, it must be terrible to go through life without eyes. And an older girl overheard that remark and quickly responded, not half as bad as having two good eyes and not being able to see. Her point was well made. I mean, there is physical blindness, and there is another kind of blindness that's even more tragic, a blindness that affects the spirit. Both forms of blindness are found in our gospel story this morning. Now, the story begins with a question to Jesus from his disciples who spotted a a blind man, and they knew him to be uh, blind from birth. And they, they asked, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? And that's the kind of question we can all understand because when a tragedy befalls somebody, we instinctively want to search for the reasons why that might be. 
you know, what did this person do or, you know, why? In this case, the disciples assumed that uh, it was either uh, this man had done some terrible crime against, uh, <laughs> of course, he was in his womb. Perhaps he was in the womb and committed some crime. Some people actually believe that. Or they believe that maybe this man was blind from birth because of his parents' sin. Maybe they, they committed some terrible sin against God. So the disciples were really curious, who sinned, Lord? And in this, they were simply sharing the belief of most Jewish people in that day that there was a link, a direct link between sin and suffering. If you suffer, then you must have sinned. <laughs> the disciples shared that point of view. So again, their curiosity, they came up to Jesus, Lord, who sinned? This man or his parents? And Jesus says significantly, Neither one, neither the man nor his parents sinned. In other words, says Jesus, you can't assume a direct link between suffering and sin. In this fallen world, innocent people suffer. Bad things will happen to good people. That's just the way it is. But Jesus isn't in the mood to have a nice philosophical discussion about human suffering with the, with the disciples. He's more interested in helping out this particular man who was blind and this man needed help. This happened, says Jesus, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. In other words, this man's condition is an occasion by which God can show forth his glory. God is about to do a new thing in this man's life, bringing healing and wholeness and newness of life. Watch this, says Jesus. And so he spit on the ground, and with the saliva and the dirt, he made a little mud pie. And then uh, he went up to the man and placed that mud on the man's eyes and said, Go, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And the man did what Jesus told him to do. And lo and behold, he could see. Imagine having, being born blind and then as an adult being able to see for the first time to be able to see the faces of your loved ones, to be able to see sky and mountains and plants and trees and birds and animals and see objects in motion and, and experience light. He came home seeing, says John. This man was given sight by the Son of God who is the light of the world. This was an incredible miracle. This is a wonder of wonders. It was simply unheard of in that day that a, man, that a person being born blind could ever see again. I mean, there was this general assumption that if you were born blind, you were going to be blind until the day you die. And now, here was a man who was seeing blind from birth, but now he sees. Credible. So now what happens? Does he go home and then do his parents receive him with joy and do the neighbors dance a jig and do the religious leaders all praise God for this wonderful deed that God has done and this wonderful healing that has taken place? Is that what happens? Well, it wasn't like that, was it? His neighbors are so suspicious of what has happened 
And they're not even sure if this happy man standing before them is the guy that they knew who was begging in the streets. I'm the very same guy, the man kept insisting to his neighbors. I'm the guy. But they had a hard time believing him. The Pharisees were offended that the Sabbath laws had been broken because not only is it unlawful to heal anybody on the Sabbath, but the very act of making mud and putting it on a person's eyes is a form of work which was against uh, the law on the day of rest on the Sabbath. And so as the Pharisees investigate the matter and talk to his parents, his parents become fearful and refuse to say very much, knowing that they could be excommunicated from the synagogue. So what we have here then is a a man born blind who now can see, and on the other hand you have people who can see just fine, but are blind as a bat, spiritually speaking. You can have two good eyes and see nothing. Blindness is not only a matter of sightless eyes. It's a problem of the heart and soul, darkened by sin. So it turns out in this story that the the people who really need healing here are the religious people, the church people of that day. They are, as I said, spiritually blind, blind to the reality of who Jesus is as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Son of God, the light of the world, blind to the needs of people around them. Jesus referred to the Pharisees on another occasion as blind guides. They're just blind people leading the blind to self-destruction. So think about these religious people here in the story, the ones that are investigating this healing. What specifically was the cause of their spiritual blindness? What do you think? Well, surely one cause was sheer closed-mindedness. It's been said that the, the hardest thing to open is a closed mind. Such folks are not open to new truth or new possibilities. Nothing will convince them otherwise. The Pharisees were so locked into their preconceived notions and their narrow prejudices and so boxed into their legalism that they couldn't imagine how Jesus could possibly have come from God. A man of God would not heal on the Sabbath, period. That's not how God works. End of discussion. What closely related to closed-mindedness was their unhealthy cynicism that was anxious to pour scorn on every one and everything. This man is not from God, they said. He's a sinner. They were suspicious not only of Jesus, but of the blind man's parents. Perhaps they were lying all along. Maybe, there, maybe that man that was healed, maybe their child, was not blind at birth. Maybe it was all a con job. And that's how they were thinking. And such cynicism and such negativity is a cancer and it's a poison that blocks out everything that is good and true and beautiful. Here the most wonderful miracle had taken place. I mean, this was the most incredible thing, unheard of. Wonder of wonders. And yet, 
they don't pay any attention to it. <laughs> it doesn't bowl them over as it should. No big deal. All they're concerned about is that the religious laws have been violated. They've lost their sense of wonder and awe in life. They've lost their sense of the marvelous things that God is doing. They're dead to God. They're dead to life. And you're dead to life if you can no longer get any wonder and awe. If you become like a cynical adult rather than a wide-eyed child, you know? Everything is wonderful. Then add to closed-mindedness and to cynicism a large dose of selfish pride. These Pharisees were so arrogant, they were so haughty, they couldn't stand the thought of Jesus being more popular or more influential than they. And so in their jealousy and in their envy, they tried to put Jesus down. They, ins they insulted his followers. They were, after all, the religious experts, the custodians of God's law. They were holier than thou. They were the disciples of Moses. They were particularly offended when this formerly blind man begins to lecture them after repeated questioning during their interrogation. Did you guys pick up the, the little humor in their, in their dialogue? You know, they keep, you know, it's like the Inquisition. The man is just questioned and questioned and questioned, interrogated. And finally he says, well, why do you keep asking me these things? Do you want to become his disciples too? He says, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. I mean, if this man were not from God, he couldn't do anything. I mean, the blind man, the healed man, is now lecturing the experts. And to this, the Pharisees reply, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Their minds were closed. They were poisoned by cynicism. They were full of selfish pride. And what's more, they lacked compassion. I mean, their hearts were hard. Were hard. They, had they had absolutely no regard for the blind man. They had no regard for this fellow. They did not view him as a human being, but only as a case study in the violation of S Sabbath law. This man was of no account to them. He was an object more than a person. He was a man to be ignored like the rest of humanity, whom the Pharisees deemed unclean and unworthy of their attention because they did not live as holy and as righteous a life as they. So as I think about these unloving Pharisees, hard hearts, towards others. These few verses come to mind. I like these words. A beggar stood on a sunlit street probing for the kind. Life for you must be so sweet, but it's spring and I am blind. One walked by whose eyes were keen, scaled 20-20 by the chart. On him was lost the entire scene because of blindness in the heart. The contrast between the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees, for whom all people were kind of a blur, and the vision of Jesus who sees a real human being in need and who seeks to do something about it, I mean, it's, it's just a huge contrast. 
in Jesus' case, love is not blind. He sees people. He sees beyond their outer service and looks to their inner need. And he knows that he can meet them and minister to them where they are. Pharisees don't care. Ah, another worthless wretch. Now, as you read this story, and hopefully you can go home sometime, maybe today or this week, read that chapter again. It's kind of a complex story. Lots of things are going on. Um, the, the dialogue gets kind of complex and rich. But as you read the story, notice that something, is inter- something interesting is going on. There's a lot of irony here in this story. You know, it's the blind see and the, and the seeing are blind. It's, it's that kind of an irony going on. And here's, here's irony. The, the blind man is healed. He not only receives physical sight, but his spiritual vision improves as he experiences new life in Christ. Look at the progression. At first, this man doesn't know anything about Jesus, doesn't know who he is, where he went, you know. Um, his neighbors ask him, you know, where did he go? And he says, I don't know. He says, all I know is my life changed. That's it, you know. So that's where it starts for him after his physical healing. Uh, and then later he's asked by the Pharisees to tell them what he knows about Jesus. And he says, well, he's a prophet. In other words, he's a man that speaks for God. See a little progression there? And then later still, after the Pharisees hurl insults at him, throw him out, Jesus finds him and asks, do you believe in the Son of Man? To which the man responds, Lord, I believe. And he falls on his feet and worships him. So he progresses from not knowing anything about Jesus to worshiping him as the Son of God, as the Son of Man. And it's implied that he went on to live a life as a child of God, walking in the light. And and again, as as this man experiences new life in Christ, he gains spiritual clarity. His spiritual vision improves. But the Pharisees, on the other hand, the religious people, are just the reverse. You know, it just seems like their, their spiritual eyesight, you know, just goes, gets progressively dark, darker and less clear. They have 20-20 physical vision, perhaps, but it's clear that as they investigate the healing, they become increasingly blind. They don't see Jesus as he is. They don't understand the truth about him. They're walking in the in darkness, not in the light. And that says Jesus is to incur God's judgment. So our gospel story this morning, this sign, the sixth sign of seven, uh, comes to us as something of a spiritual vision check for you and for me. The story asks us, you know, are we, are, are, how is our spiritual vision? How is our spiritual eyesight? Is it 2020 or is it something less than that? And by spiritual vision checkup, I think we have to ask ourselves some questions. Questions like this. Are we seeing God more clearly? As you and I walk daily with God, as we experience life, is God becoming more and more real? Do we see him more clearly? Do we have a better understanding of who God is as revealed to us by Jesus? Do we have a deepening appreciation for what God has done for us in Christ? 
Do we see God correctly and is our vision improving? Do we truly see God at work in our world and in our lives? Do we look for Him? Are we alert to those things that God is doing, bringing healing and wholeness and hope? Are you and I wide-eyed with wonder at the miracles that God performs every day? Because to see God at work in the world and in our lives is to be aware of miracles. I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, spectacular miracles, you know. But I'm talking about just the miracle of getting up. (laughs) Just the miracle of breathing. Uh, The miracle of having family and friends around. The miracle of sitting here and listening listening for God to speak. Are we wide-eyed with wonder and awe at the miracle of life itself? How's our vision, our spiritual vision? And then do we see people as God sees them? You know, Jesus, I've said this before, but Jesus didn't just see crowds, but he saw individual people. He paid attention to the people that normally the crowd would just dismiss or ignore. In our gospel lesson, Jesus cares about the blind man, the man who needed healing. He wasn't just, to Jesus, a case study for the violation of Sabbath law. So the question is, do we really see people? Do we see beyond their outer surface to see them as they really are and in all their needs? Are we alert to their needs and the opportunities that we have to serve them? Or are people all kind of like a blur as we go about our merry way? Do they just kind of fade into the background? And off we go on our own agenda. There's a contemporary song Um, by Michael W. Smith. You guys all know it, probably a lot of you do. Uh, Open the eyes of my heart, you know. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. And this is my prayer for the Lenten season. Maybe this could be your prayer too. Um, Can you pray with me? Pray this prayer if you wish. I want to see you more clearly, Lord. I want to know you more intimately. I want to love you more dearly. Open the eyes of my heart. Forgive my spiritual blindness. Heal me. Help me to be open to your miraculous intervention in my life. Keep me from close-mindedness and a cold-hearted cynicism that pours scorn on everyone and everything positive. Keep me humble and help me to see people as you see them, that I may respond with compassion and love. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I really want to see you. Amen. So may it be, uh, as we move towards Easter, you know, the special time, this holy season, that, that our spiritual vision, would, we would attend to that, and we would look for its improvement, and we'd be more alert and open 
that we would really open our eyes to all that is around us, that God has placed around us. So may it be. Amen.